Welcome to the OME Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. Normally, we feature the voices of those who will be giving talks in our webinar series, but for the next few weeks, we will feature some of the preview interviews of the featured and keynote speakers from the upcoming OME 2023 conference in Toronto on April 27th and 28th. And just in case you weren't aware, let's start with the difference between keynote, featured, and regular speakers at the conference. Keynote speakers are those speakers that the OME committee feel are important enough that everyone in the conference should see them. So when they are speaking, that's the only session running. During the conference, our keynote speakers will be the second session of the day at 10 a.m. And we will also have an early evening keynote on the Thursday. For the other time slots, we will have multiple sessions going on. In most of those time slots, there will be a featured speaker and a number of regular speakers. For those time slots, you get to choose. Featured speakers are those who have been invited by the committee to be speakers as they may fit well with the conference theme. Regular speakers are those who have put proposals in, and from all of those proposals, the program committee has chosen some to be part of the conference. Hope that all makes sense. And so, without further delay, let's start to hear from our day one featured and keynote speakers, starting with Marion Small, who will start at 8.30. Hello, I am Marion Small. I have lived in Ontario for about 15 years now and I've worked with the math community in Ontario for quite a long time. I'm the author of quite a few resources. Quite a few is probably an understatement, but <laughs> thanks for qualifying that for us. And I have to say that you are probably one of our most most featured featured speakers at OME. It's in a row, but it's something like since like 2008 or something, except for a year or so. So it's been a while. So yeah, we're, we're, we're always happy to have you back. What will you be talking about this year at OME 2023? Well, the, the theme is about empowering. And so I took the theme seriously and I'm going to suggest what I call 10 steps toward empowering our students mathematically. Now, I don't want to give away the secrets about what I'm going to say. I want you to have to come and hear them. But I will say a few things about it. One is that we often suggest to teachers that they can sort of dip their toe to change things like a little bit at a time. And I'm a little bit nervous about that. I'm skeptical because I think when we just change a tiny bit, it's so easy to revert to our past behaviors. So I'm going to talk about some steps that I don't think are too difficult, but will be significant steps. They won't be just dipping your toe so that the climate in our classrooms really can change in a way to empower students. And I'm thinking that to empower them, I'm thinking not just about their success, do they get answers right, but I'm thinking about their attitudes as well. And it seems to me that we have a job as educators to change our own attitudes about what math is and society's perception that math is really about teachers ask you questions, you get answers, you do it fast if possible. And I want empowering to be something other than getting answers faster and more correct. But as I said, I don't want to give too much away, and you'll have to come to hear the details about what those steps are. Now, I'm also going to be doing a breakout session, which I hope some of you might be interested in, where I'm going to talk about the power of debate 
in the math classroom, so that we often think about debates in something like literacy or social studies. But I think at all levels, even the primary grades, I'll have examples of really interesting, I'm going to call them debatable statements that we could use in math classrooms. And I think they'll have the potential to build communication skills, to build creative thinking skills, to build critical thinking skills, and really to deepen students' understanding. So those are the two sessions I'm planning for this year, which I'm very excited will be in person again. I'm just, just to back up about your your featured session, uh, I'm curious, can that be perhaps a little intimidating for some teachers when you say, no, I don't just want you to dip your toe in, but I I need you to jump in, uh, you know, cannonball style uh, on something? Of course it is. So, but I'm not going to say you have to jump in cannonball style with everything. I think you just have to pick a piece that you're going to really jump in on. So you're not going to say, well, every once in a while, I'll do this little thing that you'll commit yourself. So maybe it's one particular structure that you're going to start to use that you never used before, but you're going to be consistent and you're going to do it enough to see if it really works for you. Or it could be one approach to the way you end lessons and you're going to be consistent and you're going to change what you really do in some significant way. I've just watched too many teachers in my life who really intended to change things, but they changed such a little bit that before they even noticed it, they had they went back to their previous behaviors. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And we will see you in April this year, at the end of April at OME 2023. Cool. That was Marion Small, our first featured speaker. Also note that besides our featured speaker, each of our regular time slots will have over 20 other regular sessions. Marion's second breakout session will be on Thursday as well, right after lunch. Next up is our first keynote speaker, Dan Finkel. My name is Dan Finkel. I am the founder of Math for Love, which is an organization devoted to transforming how math is taught and learned. And as part of that, I design games, I write curriculum, I author puzzles, I speak, and I basically just do whatever I can to share how beautiful and powerful and amazing mathematics is. Now, how long have you have you had your organization Math for Love? I started Math for Love in 2010, and we have been trying out all sorts of projects over that time and just doing whatever we thought would have the most impact. I'm curious what your impetus was for that. I was a teacher, and then I went to graduate school uh, to study pure mathematics. And before I was through with my program, I started to see that there was just this huge disconnect between the people who studied mathematics really deeply and fell in love with it and devoted their life to it. And so many people who just had profoundly negative experiences with the mathematics, it was just a huge gulf between them. And it just felt like the work I felt called to do was to try to bridge that gap and bring the beauty and all the amazing stuff that no one's ever heard of out so that everyone could see what's so great about mathematics in the first place. And just in case anybody doesn't know, like I have to, I have to thank you uh, for Prime Climb. I love that game. Uh, I love playing that with my kids, and uh, I actually have the the sort of the body size version of that that we play in the gym sometimes. Oh, that's super fun! Yeah, uh, the games that we have out, Prime Climb is kind of our flagship game. Which is our first one, and it was it's been so exciting to have that out. And then we have Tiny Polka Dot for younger kids, and 
We have some new pattern blocks out and new things coming out in 2023, which I'm super excited about. So um, it's been really cool to see those things out in the world. All right. So Dan, you are one of our keynote speakers at OME 2023. I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of a rundown of what you will be speaking on. Maybe start with the the title of your talk if you've got it you know, nailed down yeah. at this point. My talk is called How Mathematicians Play. And I'm going to be making an argument that play is central to the work of learning mathematics. And it's actually through play that we learn it more rigorously with more depth and develop more ownership over it than we would otherwise. So for inspiration, and to make that argument, I want to look at how mathematicians play, what they're really doing, what the full mathematical experience is really like, and how that can inform the teaching that we're doing in our classrooms. So, I mean, obviously, and, you know, we mentioned prime climb, you know, that is play with mathematics, but I'm wondering if you could give me a little example of how a mathematician might play. Yeah. One example, and this is an example I use in the talk also, is there's like a game of conjectures and counterexamples. You find a pattern, you think maybe it might hold, you go out on a limb, you make a conjecture. It's like a hypothesis except for mathematics. You say, I think this is going to work. And then right away, there's a game there because if you say, oh, I think all you know pentagons have this property, then somebody can say, I think I- I'm not buying that yet, I'm going to try to come up with a counterexample and they can break your conjecture. And then you can absorb that and say, yeah, I'm going to refine my conjecture and make it better. And then they say, well, I'm going to come up with a new counterexample. And it's actually a very playful process. And yet that work of finding patterns and making conjectures and then breaking them is central to what mathematicians do every day and, and the whole f- development of the field. But we can actually turn that into a game that kindergartners and first graders can play in a classroom. And and, and those two things, I think, sh- just share a lot in common. So with, I guess, without giving it away, I'm wondering if you can give us a hint as to like maybe uh, uh, one takeaway that you would like our audience to walk away from your talk with. Yeah, without without giving too much away. Um, I know, a tough one. Yeah, yeah, no. I, well, I will say... I think that there is an idea of what the work of teaching is that has to do with designing environments for students to play in that help them to engage and fundamentally learn. And I think that that metaphor is one that I found really useful. Uh, And there's a metaphor of a frame around an experience that, that I find very useful. And I think fundamentally that reconsidering our work as putting together environments built for play and inviting play is one that I've found just transformative in my own practice. Okay. Well, we will leave it at that. And we look forward to seeing you in person at the end of April at OME 2023. Dan, thanks for talking to us. Absolutely. I can't wait to be there. That was Dan Finkel telling us a little bit about his keynote and breakout session. His breakout session on mathematical openers will be on Thursday at 1.45. And once Dan's keynote is done, we will have our lunch break for everyone at the same time. This is also a great time to check out all the exhibitors. Up next is our 12.15 session, 
and our featured speaker, Octavia Beckles. My name is Octavia Beckles, and I am an educator with the York Region District School Board, currently serving in the role of a curriculum consultant for culturally relevant and responsive practices and for mathematics. In my current role, I support educators with their culturally relevant and responsive practices, as well as their mathematics instruction and practices with students. Prior to being in this role, I was a classroom teacher for many years, providing mathematics instruction, as well as other core and content subjects. So how do you find the difference between being the classroom teacher and the consultant? So being a classroom teacher informs how I support and how I'm able to interact with educators and support educators as a consultant. So Many of the times there can be a disconnect with when consultants provide information if it's not something that has been part of their practice. But in the areas that I support, both being culturally relevant and responsive, as well as mathematics, these were things that were part of my practice as a classroom teacher. So I'm able to leverage those experiences in order to be able to support educators and make that that learning come to life. Okay. And so you are one of our featured speakers at OME 2023. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your featured session. So my featured session is Transforming the Game of Mathematics, and it is about telling the stories that have not been told. So mathematics reform in many places, including Ontario, have predominantly focused or centered pedagogical practices that are perceived as neutral. And so this has ignored community scholarship that calls for culturally relevant and responsive practices, and that calls for decolonizing practices in mathematics instructions. So the stories of and contributions of non-European cultures to mathematics, especially those of Black and Indigenous communities, have been erased, devalued, or appropriated. So as a Black woman educator, my talk will focus on Black-affirming teaching and learning in mathematics to restory who performs mathematics and what mathematics is used for. So I'm wondering if I can step back a little bit to your title and if you can clarify what you mean by the game of mathematics. So it's important to name the scholarship that informs our work. And one of our uh, keynote speakers is Dr. Rochelle Gutierrez. And she wrote an article some time ago talking about framing equity entitled Helping Students Play the Game and Change the Game in regards to mathematics and speaking about how access and achievement is only one aspect of thinking about equity in regards to mathematics instruction, but that also identity and power form a critical access in which we must also think about in regards to mathematics. So the use of the word game is in reference to her article and thinking about the ways in which um, we provide mathematics instruction or think about equity in regards to mathematics and how students either play the game of school and are we actually creating spaces for students, especially those who experience marginalization within education and specifically within mathematics to actually change the game of school? And you're going to be doing a breakout session as well. I think it's called Culturally Inclusive Mathematics. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So in that session, I will be joined by two of my colleagues in my board who work on the same team with me, Golriz Karubi and Diane Craven. And we will be sharing our journey in creating and supporting our system with 
culturally inclusive mathematics. So expanding beyond the Black experience and thinking about other groups who don't experience representation within the curriculum and thinking about how it is that we are bringing um, those experiences and supporting educators in creating a more a much more inclusive environment in mathematics where a multiplicity of dynamic communities are able to see themselves reflected and represented in mathematics. So in the context of being more inclusive, what can you tell educators who are and a little apprehensive about that because it's just not in their wheelhouse. So I think we have to remember our our role and our responsibility. And so we are we are educators, and we are all we are committed to continually learn, learning and refining our craft. And so being more culturally inclusive is the same thing as doing anything else. So for instance, coding has been added to the curriculum. So everybody has had to step up, right, and learn how to do these things, even though they may not have been within our experiences when we were in school. So we can't make exceptions, (laughs) or we have to think about what we are willing to learn and what we are not willing to learn, and how that might be informed by our, our power and privilege. So in that apprehension, I guess we need to think about, or I would suggest that we think about who are the students that we we serve and what is our responsibility to all of them. As educators, if we are committed to educational justice, then we need to be committed to all students. And that means that therefore we also need to be committed to learn about what it is that we don't know in order to achieve those ends. Okay, so we look forward to seeing you in person in April at OME 2023, and thanks for talking to us today. Thank you, David. I am also looking forward to meeting you and meeting everyone else at OME 2023. That was featured speaker Octavia Beckles. Her breakout session will be at the same time, but on Friday instead. At 1.45, we'll have Lindsay Gold as our next featured speaker. I'm Lindsay Gold. I'm an assistant professor from the University of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio. I teach math methods for pre-service teachers that are pursuing a pre-kindergarten through grade five license. And I'm also the program coordinator for the Technology Enhanced Learning Endorsement at UD. But to give you a little background on how I got to this position is I started teaching in first grade. So I have experience in first, fourth and fifth grade. And then I moved into higher ed through kind of fate, luck, however you want to say, when my triplet daughters were born, I decided that I needed to try something a little bit different because I definitely did have my hands full. And so I started teaching in the developmental math department at the local community college, Sinclair. And I found that here I was working with adults struggling with the same content that my fourth and fifth graders were working on. And through lots of discussion with them, they would share their experiences and their math anxiety and how they wish that they would have been taught a little bit different. And it really fueled my fire to want to go back to get my PhD in math education so that I could then teach pre-service teachers how to teach math. So, so what was the, what was the catalyst to go that route to become a teacher of teachers? 
So really, I, I just wanted to be able to show student teachers and to help student teachers see that there were better ways to teach math beyond worksheets, that math needed to be fun, it needed to be hands-on, it needed to scaffold, and you can't just miss steps and hope that they'll catch it up later. So I really just kind of had a passion in working with the pre-service teachers because I was watching adults struggle with basic mathematics. And you are one of our featured speakers this year at OME 2023. Can you tell us a little bit about your featured session? Sure. So it's titled Reimagining Mathematics Education Across the Grade Levels. And that really goes back to what I was saying where... I feel like people from a young age decide whether they fall into the category of math people or not math people. And so I think a lot of this is based on their experiences that they had in the classroom, based on instructors or teachers they've had over time. And I really feel like it's our job job as math educators to inspire and empower these students so that they start to realize that all people are math people, that we use math every day. It's all around us. And I want them to really think about how math can be authentic, problem solving, how we use technology, all those kinds of things when we're doing math every day. So it is essentially a talk about how math goes beyond the worksheet. And I I intend to share my experiences in a research project that I did where we were introducing geometry and measurement concepts to elementary students through coding as just another different way to engage in the mathematics in a way that was hopefully more hands-on, something that they would retain more, encourage real-world connections, but to also show the students that they can do this. And it was actually a really fun project because not only were the students engaged and were excited about the content, but I started to see the elementary teachers become engaged. And at first they were really hesitant about working on this, but then they started to see, oh, I can do this too. So that's where this talk really is not just about a certain grade level, but how we can teach math in a way that, you know, kind of spans your whole learning of math at any age. Now, I'm sure as a teacher of teachers, you come across students who feel that there is such thing as a math person and a non-math person. How do you try to convince them otherwise? So I do so by sharing my own story. When I was younger, I thought or decided probably around fifth grade that I was not a math person. I, I thought it was like this elite club that I did not get an invitation to. And I can kind of share with you how that happened. But one of the things that sticks out the most to me when I think about my own previous math experiences and career was that I had severe math anxiety when it came to time tests and competition, things like that. So we played this game called Around the World. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but basically it has two students go against each other and the teacher shows a flashcard and whoever gets it fastest moves on to the next student. And then if you didn't, then you sit down. 
Well, not only was that scary to me, you know, here I was competing against my student or my peer while all the other students were watching, but I started to feel like I wasn't good at math because I wasn't fast. And so instead of persevering, I wanted to quit. So I wanted to say, hey, the teacher had this punishment where if you didn't move at least two students, then you had to write all your math facts out zero through 12. So I was to the point where it's like, can I please just write my math facts and not play this game because of the anxiety it was causing? And so from my own experience, when I run across people that say, hey, I'm not a math person, I try to get to the root of why do you think that? What what happened in your math career that you came to this assumption? Because as I started to develop as a math person and how I decided to basically get into math because I figured there has to be a better way to teach math than flashcards and time tests, that's when I really started to see the deeper roots of anxiety and things that come along with mathematics that I want to try to alleviate in my students or my student teachers. I still see them, you know, even as college students, they still, some of those deep rooted fears come back. And so we talk a lot about how we want to create classrooms that are safe, that students feel like they can take risks and they can enjoy math and that it's not a competition. So that's kind of how <laughs> how I got into mathematics was basically I, I just wanted to see and show people that there has to be a better way to teach it. And I pretty much got into my profession based on stubbornness, but I'm really thankful that I did because I'm enjoying it so much and I'm enjoying exper- or sharing my own experiences with my students. Never underestimate uh, a little bit of stubbornness. Right? <laughs> Exactly. Now, you uh, are you doing a session other than your featured session? So I am. There's going to be another session that is branching off from the featured session where I will actually get out the technology that we used. So we ended up using the TI Innovator Hub and Rover, and the students engaged in programming. It was scaffolded in a way that was appropriate for third through fifth grade, but they engaged in programming in a way that introduced or reinforced measurement and geometry concepts. So I want to share that with the participants at this conference so they can see how they might incorporate this technology and incorporate coding into things that they might already be doing in their classroom. So I want to show them that it's not an additional thing you have to add, but rather it's a way to do what you're already doing, but incorporate some of the skills and techniques that students can engage in the math that they might not have had that opportunity before. Okay. So you will be, as I said, one of our featured speakers in April uh, in our face-to-face OME 2023 conference. Thanks for giving us a little bit of a preview of what you're going to be talking about. And we look forward to seeing you in a few months. Thank you so much, David. I am very excited. That was featured speaker Lindsay Gold. Her breakout session will be running Friday at 12.15. Our last featured speaker of the day will be Hema Kodai. Hello, I'm Hema Kodai. I'm an Elam Thummel woman living and working on the lands included in the Tajikans Purchase of 1818, which is treaty number 19. I'm a mother of two daughters, 
and an educator of many over 17 years with the Peel District School Board. Currently, I'm the cross-curricular head of equity and inclusive education at Mississauga Secondary School and have the privilege of serving as a guidance counselor to the student community there. Personally and professionally, I'm interested in transforming schooling so that it is an identity affirming experience, not only for children, but also educators. And not to ask a loaded question, but how do you find things are in that capacity as we stand now? Hmm. Um, loaded question, David. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'd start right with the, with the big guns. How do I find <laughs> things are? I think I'm going to be super honest that things are exactly how some of us expected they would go. So in terms of where we are right now in this current role of head of equity and inclusive education, both in in my district and I think in the province, in terms of public education, equity work is evolving. So three years ago, this would have been a very promising position and role, uh, a hopeful opportunity to affect some positive change. I think three years ago, we had a collective will to dig into this work. Currently, it is challenging because we're all approaching it in the ways that we know how. There are so many different entry points, but there isn't a collective action towards addressing oppression, colonialism, dehumanizing experiences in the classroom. So I find that challenging. I, I see the good work that's being done by individual educators, individual administrators, but as a system, I'm not the transformation yet. Okay, we'll leave it at that. And I know that you are one of our featured speakers at OME 2023. I'm wondering if you talk about your featured session and let's start with the title. Awesome, I'm really excited to be a featured speaker at this year's conference. The session is entitled Identity Affirming Mathematics and it's going to be an honest conversation about power in the spaces that we share with students and in the spaces we share with one another when we're speaking about the teaching and learning of mathematics. I'm most interested in digging into how current policies, procedures, and approaches in mathematics education suppress agency and creativity, and what sort of constraints create those conditions. Namely, it's time. So how can we use the time we have in classes mindfully, creatively, to allow for students to express themselves, to come into their own as mathematical beings, to feel affirmed in their identities, in their social identities, and also in their mathematical identities of how they approach mathematical learning and where they are in their learning. In my role as a guidance counselor, I do unfortunately hear a lot of the challenges that students are facing in mathematics classes, particularly advanced functions, calculus and vectors, just sort of that the transition is very jarring and the mathematics as a discipline dominates the learning space and the environment. 
and the, and the students themselves feel feel secondary to the to the discipline. So the students don't feel centered in the teaching and the learning. This very abstract entity that is being centered. So can you give an example of something that you might suggest would lead to a positive change in this in this area? Yes, and and I've seen it happen, so I know it is very possible. And the way that change actually becomes sustained is when educators are able to observe one another and try it out without fear of a failure, which is what we're hoping for our students as well. And really it is being validated and supported in their professional judgment so that they can move to other forms of assessment beyond the very traditional unit tests, standard final exams, and feeling confident in their ability to have mathematical discourse with the students and then assess and be able to report back on success criteria and say, okay, through this conversation with the students, I am confidently saying they have understood this concept, this concept, they're able to perform this skill. When you think about your session, Mm -hmm. who do you most want to come to your session? Mm. I want everyone to come to my session. (laughs) (laughs) Or, okay, let me rephrase that. Like, who do you think needs to come to your session? Okay, let's say I could only have 10 people. Out of everybody that's coming, I could only have 10. I would want at least half of them to be early years educators, kindergarten educators, primary mathematics educators, because I think this idea of affirming identities in children and really supporting that identity identity development as as them being a mathematical being is starts so early and very often like I, I teach high school, I've only ever taught high school. Too often by the time they get to high school, students have very firmly developed ideas about who they are and what they can do and what they cannot do. And that seems very much entrenched in their mathematical experiences. So I would definitely say folks who are starting with the little, and then I would really hope for the rest of those 10 educators to be folks whom I make no sense to, you know, folks who are what what's she talking about? What identity and what identity affirming? I, I would just hope for them to come and listen and see if there's anything that I say that kind of sparks the curiosity about, hmm, is this possible in my classroom? Is this something I might want to try? Who do I know who might be doing this? Who could I go and watch? So, Hema, thanks for, for letting us know what you're going to be talking about, and we look forward to seeing you in April. I can't wait. Thank you so much. That was Hema Kodai. Note that we did have some technical difficulties during that recording. Hema will also be doing a breakout session first thing in the morning on Thursday titled Creating Positive Conditions for Teaching and Learning Mathematics. Finally, on Thursday, we will have Deborah Lowenberg-Ball doing an early evening keynote at the end of the day that will start at 5 p.m. 
So I'm Deborah Ball. I'm a faculty member at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I've been an elementary school teacher for a great deal of my career. Currently, I work at a university where I'm preparing people to be teachers and working with people who study teaching. And particularly, my focus is in math teaching. And I'm especially interested in questions of how teaching can be a lever for increasing justice and equity in our society, but also how it so often magnifies or reproduces patterns of inequity and injustice. And you're also the director of Teaching Works. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm the director of Teaching Works. Teaching Works is a new organization. Well, it's actually not that new anymore. It's 10 years old, located inside the University of Michigan, but we're essentially an externally facing group. That means that we work with teachers and teacher educators and other people who support the work of teaching around, mostly around the United States, although we also work with some groups outside of the United States. And what we do is um, try to strengthen the practice-based orientation of professional development and teacher education. And what I mean by that is that too often professional training of teachers focuses on talking about teaching, talking about it, writing about it, thinking about it, but not really learning to do the work. And if you think about other occupations or professions, that would be very strange if people learning to be nurses, for example, never practiced any of the work with really careful guidance and coaching. Uh, I don't think we would want to work with nurses who hadn't had that kind of training. So what I'm describing isn't something like technical skill preparation, but it's taking more seriously that the relational and interactive work of teaching is something you actually have to learn to do. It's not natural all the time. And that coaching is important. So just simply having experience isn't a particularly good way to learn it any more than learning any other complex practice isn't learned only by experience. Of course, experience matters, but careful, detailed help in learning to do it. So for example, learning to lead a math discussion is really very difficult. And so the kind of thing that Teaching Works does is to help people who help teachers, what's involved in leading a really productive math discussion? Like how do you attend to all the different voices? How do you keep your eye on the content? How do you distribute turns? How do you choose work to do that's worth talking about? And all of that isn't just something one learns for free. And so the kind of work we do is to identify complex part of the everyday work of teaching and then design ways to support people to learn to do it. And that's, you know, really how we work with groups all around the country. Yeah. And that's a, it's a really important aspect of teaching that I think sometimes people who are not in the teaching profession don't even think about. They, I, mean, I think they think that all you need to do is, is know the material that you're teaching. And I think it's, it's far more than that. And, and clearly that, that's, uh, that's what you're part of what your organization looks at. Yeah, that's quite right. And I think even learning the content, people have taken that for granted that, oh, you just like if you're teaching first grade, that's pretty easy content. But in fact, it's not that easy when you're trying to help someone else learn it, because as someone who already knows it, you don't understand necessarily what goes into understanding it. And the average person on the street couldn't even teach first grade math content well, even though they don't realize that. Okay, now, uh, Deborah, you're one of our keynote speakers at OME 2023 this year. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit, not too much, a little bit about your keynote session. Sure. So I chose to frame my session this year around the fact of something I've observed for a long time as a teacher and a teacher educator and a researcher, is that in the area of math education, we've had one pendulum swing after another. In one decade, we're talking about basic skills. In the next decade, we're talking about problem solving. It, the next time we turn around, we're talking about mathematics for all. And the next time we hear another reform or idea, it's about making mathematics culturally relevant. 
we argue about whether teaching has to be like direct instruction or whether we should have very student-centered classrooms. Do we think that equity and rigor are somehow in conflict with one another and things like that. And so what I want to do is move past those binaries and to urge us that if we're going to really support children to learn mathematics in ways that we often don't, we're going to have to find a way to push through those pendulum swings. And so I'm going to try to illustrate what teaching practice looks like that doesn't fall into one sort of binary side of this or another, and that resists dichotomization. So it'll be very practice-centered about what, what the work of teaching looks like that doesn't try to align itself to one sort of line or another, but has integrity in its own right and centers children and centers their mathematical flourishing. So, I mean, I'm always up for a good math fight, but, you know, how, how are you going to, in, you know, an hour or 70 minutes going to, you know, convince the average person that it's actually just a little bit of all these things that, that we really, really should be focusing on? I think I'll probably center it in a, um, an episode that's video recorded of children at work so that I can show, um, I can take us through a lens that looks at one particular sort of side of these debates and then another, and then tries to show that in the context of actual teaching that's serious about content, serious about equity, and serious about children, that in fact, one can't fall one way or another on this. And so, for example, in any case where children are working on mathematics together, of course, things that have to do with skill matter, but no mathematics that's worth learning doesn't involve like argument and debate and problem solving and thinking. And those two things are not dichotomous. Attending to equity doesn't mean just thinking about how do you move the content forward. It make, it matters who's contributing to a discussion and why that matters for their own learning, but also for the learning of everyone else in the class. So when we think about culturally cultural relevance, I'll try to show that what makes something culturally relevant is actually something very important to think carefully about because too often mathematic classrooms have been highly exclusionary for many children and what they know. But on the other hand, some of the ways that cultural relevance has been interpreted actually doesn't make things more meaningful for children. So I wanna to try to show in the context of an actual lesson where we can see these things interactive and how we can resist these dichotomies that often plague the recommendations that we hear. Okay, so uh, we look forward to hearing from you in April as we are face-to-face uh, for the first time in OME in a couple of years, and we're going to be happy to have you in uh, Toronto. So thanks for talking with us today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. So that wraps up our OME 2023 Day 1 Preview. At the time of this recording, OME 2023 is open for pre-registration, but only until the end of the day on Tuesday, January 24th. It will open for full registration on January 27th for pre-registrants with no fee owing, and then on February 1st for all others. For more information on the conference, head to oime2023.ca, and to pre-register, you can check out our MCAS registration site. The link is in the podcast description. Stay tuned next week for our preview of Day 2, and in the meantime, stay safe.